Good morning, friends. It's good to be with you again today. I'd like to thank Pastor Lisa for her generous hospitality in sharing this virtual pulpit with me today. Will you join me with prayer? Good and gracious God, continue to be with us as we seek to understand you and love one another through these ancient texts we have read. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you this day. Amen. In April of 2000, I traveled with a friend on my first foreign trip. We flew from Washington, D.C. to Frankfurt, Germany, and took a train to Luxembourg City, Luxembourg, before we continued on to Bruges, Belgium. We wanted to see the 1,000-year-old passageways called casemates, which are carved into the mountains. They serve as a protective dwelling for the townspeople to live when defending the region. It was really fascinating. We continued on to Bruges, where we stayed for seven days in the beauty of the area and, of course, enjoyed lots of chocolate and waffles. And I should say, they're like no other. This being my first big trip, I was very excited to take this adventure. My friend had done a lot of foreign travel while in the Coast Guard, and I was relying on her to be my liaison for the trip. My hope was she would help inform and guide me along the way. We traveled light and cheap. And when I say light, I mean light. We booked our stays in international youth hostels and we decided to carry everything we would need in a backpack. This posed challenges, as you might imagine. We had to prepare carefully. We considered the weather, how many pairs of slacks seemed reasonable, how much cash to have on hand, and so on. We each bought the largest backpack we felt we could manage. As the time for our departure came closer, I began laying everything out on my bed, carefully folding and packing so as to not waste any precious space. But it became quite clear, I did not need to take all that I thought I need. But by that I mean, I didn't have room for everything I wanted to take. Needless to say, I had to get creative with my packing. Then at some point on the trip, I noticed I had all I needed, no more and no less. And the load was not too heavy to carry. The trip was sensational. I share this story because I think it illustrates our text for today. When we have what we need, and are not overburdened by unnecessary things, we are prepared for the road ahead. This is the storyline for Elijah. He had just fled persecution and was certain he was about to meet his demise. Exhausted, he lay down under a tree asking God that he might simply die. Instead, while he was asleep, an angel woke him and instructed him to eat the bread and drink. Elijah complied 
then fell back to sleep. And the angel came again, but this time gave him more information, more instruction, telling him to eat and drink, or, quote, the journey would be too far for him, end quote. Here we have a prophet who has come to what he thought was the end of his service to God, but God had more plans for him. God sent the angel and food and drink twice so that Elijah would have what he would need to make the journey, no more and no less. The readers of Ephesians were given clear, emphatic directions regarding how the citizens of Ephesus were to interact with one another. They were instructed to put away bitterness, anger, wrangling and slander, then told to replace them with forgiveness and to be imitators of God, loving one another as Christ loved them. They were reminded Jesus made himself an offering and sacrifice for them. The text is succinct and informative for theirs and our behavior toward one another. Finally, we crescendo to the gospel text in John. We learn of our need to have faith in Creator combined with the selfless act of Jesus coming down from heaven as our ultimate nourishment. He used the metaphor of bread and cup to explain. Jesus tells the crowd, he is the bread of life. And if they come to him, they will never hunger or thirst. The crowd is confused and arguing amongst themselves, trying to figure out what Jesus means by this. He goes further by saying, he is the bread that came down from heaven. Can't you just imagine the scene? These people knew his parents and his siblings. Some of them grew up with him and learned the Torah in the synagogue right alongside him. What could he possibly mean? Quote, he is the bread of life and came down from heaven. End quote. Jesus taught through parable, using metaphor and allegorical stories to get around to the truth. These stories hold within them hidden narratives with a moral or principle he wished to teach. This story was no different. Throughout his ministry, Jesus used food and eating together as a means to describe many of his lessons. Take, for instance, some of these examples. The feeding of the 5,000 is a lesson in trusting in the mercy of God and the actions of the crowd to share what they had with others. Jesus ate with tax collectors, teaching them about the unjust burden they were placing on ordinary, faithful citizens by grossly overtaxing them. On one occasion, before dining, some Pharisees were criticizing Jesus for not participating in the complex ritual of foot washing prior to eating. 
Instead, he took the opportunity to point out to them their error wasn't about hygiene, but about the condition of the heart, saying to them in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, quote, You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness, fools. Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? End quote. Jesus uses the circumstances and the resources available to him in any given situation to inform and form those who follow him. Friends, if we are not careful, we might make the mistake in thinking or believing that Jesus was proclaiming how trusting in God to provide there would be enough. Well, if that's the case then, what do we do with the very real world problems of hunger, poverty, lack of shelter, and so many more challenges across our globe? We need to take another look at these words that Jesus is saying and see that he is using metaphor to convey his lesson to the followers then and now. We must be clear in understanding how in all of Jesus's teaching, he wasn't being legalistic, quite the contrary. He was being formational. He was building up a community, cultivating a way to live with God and one another. He was shifting a culture of lacking to a culture of abundance, abundance of love and kindness forgiveness, mercy, and generosity. Jesus was formational in his teaching with the early disciples and they began to learn how to live as united. We too continue to learn and apply Jesus's lessons in our own lives. We are co-participants with the ancients in building up the kingdom we are being shaped and transformed into compassionate, loving beings who express the love of God through Jesus's examples. It is up to us to make this world a better place for our sisters and brothers. We are tasked with being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It isn't enough to simply have faith. We must have deeds to accompany our faith. James writes in chapter two of his book, quote, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it?" End quote. Recently, Pastor Lisa completed a seven-week sermon series entitled, The Way of Love. This is the Jesus moment, movement ushered in by the Right Reverend 
Michael Curry to help Episcopalian congregations put verbs to their faith. Recall the seven ways of love. Turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. All of these are formational practices to love our neighbors and ourselves. Through these, we continue to be formed in the way of love. Jesus brought together his band of misfit disciples and formed them into a fellowship of credible, well-formed and informed leaders of the faith. These disciples were each different from one another and yet they lived in unity. They shared the gospel teachings in their unique ways. Jesus was using metaphor, saying he was the bread of life that came down from heaven. He may not have been the literal bread, the grain, the yeast, the tiny little crumbs between pockets of air, but Jesus certainly was and is the life-giving substance we all need. Jesus wants us to internalize his lessons, to turn from our old ways of living, to live a new life in him. Friends, we need bread for our daily earthly living, and we need the instructional formation from Jesus along with our faith in God for kingdom living. Amen.